Welcome back, bro, to another edition of the End Settling Show. Today, I got Tim Lines with an awesome interview. He is the CEO of Profit Marketing Solutions and an international gym consultant, as well as actually walking the talk by being a leader and a manager and CEO of his own multiple seven-figure gyms. I'm really looking forward to you hearing our conversation about the coronavirus, the failings on the state and federal level, where we went right, where we went wrong, and what gym owners and fitness entrepreneurs can do in light of the new circumstances and the quote-unquote new normal that we don't necessarily agree with using as a term future in business and in our money mission so brother without further fucking ado we'll get going god bless power to you let's do this shit change your body change your life congratulations and welcome to the haven warrior challenge you cannot settle you are a king fight motherfucker congratulations and welcome to the haven brotherhood you were not meant to settle for a mediocre life, brother. You were meant to stand tall, speak firmly, and move into the world confidently and assertively to create and live a life on your terms. This is for the men who are sick and tired of settling, for the men who want it all in money, muscle, mindset, and meaning. This is the End Settling Show with your host, Bismarck Montiel, founder and leader of Haven Gym, Haven Warrior Challenge, and the Haven Brotherhood. Let's get it fucking rolling. Welcome, Tim Lines, to the End Settling Show. How are you doing today, my good man? I'm doing great, man. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, listen, man, I already asked you before we were recording, but uh, once again, how is the state of Arizona right now doing? How is the state of your gyms doing? How is the situation for you? Yeah, thank God uh, we're in a Republican state here, man. Everything's open. Jim's been open since the 15th of May. So that's last uh, week ago. We've been open a week. And it's, uh, it's a much needed uh, energy boost because it's been, it was kind of bleak for a while there. But uh, clients are back in. New people are coming in. We've got new consultations happening in the other room behind me. Hmm. So I can't be more thankful that we've been able to open, man. I know there's a lot of states that just aren't there yet. And, you know, and the thing I would tell those folks is to keep hanging on. It's going to be fine once you can open. Uh, clients are wanting to come in. So be good. And I think that's wonderful because even though our industry hasn't necessarily been labeled as essential, it's been a very shitty experience for both business owners and for the clients who frequent those gyms because we're stuck at home. We can't lift, you know, unless we're doing Zoom video calls, but it's not the mm -hmm. same you know, circumstances at all. Um, for example, New Jersey, we're still not open yet. You know, as mm -hmm. far as gyms, they're completely locked down. And, you know, Jersey is in a situation where I think in my good estimation, within two to four weeks, we'll okay. partially reopen, but it's not going to be anything like Arizona, that's for sure. Well, I hope, I hope it is, man, because there's no reason why gyms shouldn't be open, uh, especially when you can go to a Walmart or a Costco or a Home Depot and the you know safety measures that we can put in place as small business owners, small gym owners, we can do way better than what's going on out there. Um, what I think the biggest problem I'm seeing is that everybody that's in the fitness space is lumped into one bucket called gyms, and it's not that's not even close to what mm -hmm. what the reality of what a big box gym to a training studio looks like. They're completely opposite. And so I know there's a lot of lobbying going on from the gym owner level into government and trying to get them to understand. But, you know, if you think about the people setting the rules, they don't lift. They think of gyms as they, I've heard Petri dishes. I've heard of sweat boxes. I've heard of all of these things. That's just not true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the unfortunate thing is they're just not going to change their mind unless you can force them to. No, of course. And when you say that small business owners have more ability to change their protocols compared to, let's say, a big box gym like Planet Fitness or Club Metro mm-hmm. or, a, let's say, Retro Fitness, because the reality is, is that we don't have, you know, 100 people in at the same time. You know, we can right. put in a limit of four, six, eight, whatever the case might be. But before we move on, and I just want to go ahead and just let our listeners and our viewers in on what your story is. So can you go ahead and just tell us uh, what you do, why you do it, and who you do it for specifically? For sure. Yeah, thanks. Um, so Tim Lyons, uh, I've been in the fitness industry since 2009. I own, uh, this is my second location. We're looking at number three here pretty soon, moving, moving this to another uh, building. Uh, started as a, a general access gym with personal training available if you wanted it and quickly found out that was the wrong model. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know back then, back in 2009-10. So we quickly changed the model into a training studio and we just continued to grow uh, the training model and become more, I don't know, boutique fitness, if you will, versus just mm-hmm. to come in, use the gym if you want it. Uh, about 2015, I got really deep, deep dive into marketing. I got into uh, funnels and Facebook ads and, and really driving in traffic for my own business and quickly found out that I was really good at it. I was like the best that there was available at it. And I started helping guys that I knew in the fitness space. I'm in masterminds. I'm just like, hey, let me do this for you. Let me just show you what we're doing so you can do it yourself. And I had no intention of creating a business out of it. Um, within you know, just a short couple of weeks, we were, the calls were coming in from people, word of mouth. We weren't marketing. We were just helping a gym owner, you know, in Boston. And then we're helping another gym owner in Pennsylvania, one in Florida, one in Washington. And we're just kind of helping, like we weren't charging, we were just doing it. Mm-hmm. And what was really cool about it is we quickly found out that uh, gym owners, the ones we were working with just asked us to do it for them. Even though I was trying to teach them, they didn't want to know it. They just want to do what they do, which is train clients. And they wanted us to do it. So I brought a friend of mine in on the, on the deal, uh, Randy, who's my partner now. And you know, he was working the front desk. I had given him a job. He was out of work. I was like, Hey man, come work the front desk and make smoothies for everybody. And you know, until you find something else, but I quickly found out that, uh, I needed more help and we blew up literally overnight in 2015. We, um, quickly got into seven figures in about nine months with zero marketing, all word of mouth. And we weren't even charging what we should have charged for this. So at any given time, we would have 80 to 120 different campaigns for 120 different gym owners, all going on simultaneously with two people, which was out. And I ran the gym too, which was crazy that I was figuring out how to do all this you know, so at the end of 2015, my, my accountant said, look, you can't have this all going in through the gym. You need to create another business out of this. So we created ProFit uh, Marketing Solutions, took that as long as I could until I got really sick of doing Facebook ads. I was good at it, but there's sometimes that even though you're good at it, you don't need to be doing it. So as I built the team, we got up to about 15 employees and started realizing I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. Um, about that time, we realized that, you know, the competition for Facebook ads and funnels was just out of control. And I just was up against people that were willing to spend or willing to charge $500 to do a campaign for 30 days. And I was like, man, this is just not worth it to me anymore. So we shifted gears and 
I started working with gym owners a little bit closer on business systems and creating a business versus a job. Because if, if there's one thing that it forced me to do was get out of my own gym. And I really, even though I own the gym, I really don't spend any time here. I, I have a fitness director and a great team that runs the facility for me. And I maybe spend two to four hours a week on the business or even involved in the business. Um, I'm, I can go wherever I want and do profit from, you know, remotely from home. I check in with the team and I found that that was what I enjoyed. I enjoyed helping businesses get to where I am, which is out of the day-to-day -day operations and just living life and maybe doing other things with their time. And that's really what it came down to was we shifted from marketing into more business systems and automations and things to really free up that business owner, that gym owner out of their businesses. And so they can just live life and enjoy it again, because there comes a time where you kind of start to resent grinding every day and with not much to show for it. And it's not the gym owner's fault. It's just, they don't know what to do sometimes. And so we come in, we do private coaching with gym owners. We do systems, uh, you know, model analysis. And then we really are big on automation because with automation, you can build systems that are duplicatable and it saves time and the gym owner doesn't have to do it anymore. And that's really what I'm doing now. If that, if that's a, a quick two minute intro on me. It was like drinking from a fire hose, but I think the big yeah. two things that I got from that was that number one, for anybody who's listening uh, and uh, viewing that you didn't start this off necessarily making a profit. You were doing it because you were trying to help people and yes. there's nothing wrong with making an income. And in fact, we both know that, you know, the more income that you make, that's intimately related with the more impact that you can make. Right. And I think that number two, you know, over time, as you know, you and your business and yourself develop that you shifting on into business systems, not necessarily marketing per se, mm -hmm. you're giving gym owners the ability to number one, not burn out because yeah. how many of us, I mean, you know, we out and then we can't give back the same level of effort and resources that we used to give back to the gym. Mm -hmm. And so I remember hearing a podcast of yours. Um, I apologize for not knowing the title of it, but you were mentioning how some clients will like to see you quote unquote level up and leave the gym floor because oh, yeah. it's like, oh, great. You know, congratulations to him. He's serving us and he deserves that. Right. But there's those little, little patches here and there of people who are like, I guess you could say resentful or jealous and being fully transparent. The only way that you can continue to impact more people is like you're saying by telling the business owner to not be self-employed and not have a job, but to move up that quadrant so that you can then keep on reinvesting and keep growing your company so you can impact more people. And that involves making more money, of course, but yeah. And you nailed it. It was really strange when I started to become a little bit more successful. I was removing myself from the operations more and more and the clients weren't seeing me as much and they weren't seeing me going out there and taking the garbage out and mopping the floors and, you know, cleaning the gym in between clients. And they started, you know, you, you nailed it. I didn't ever think about this and I never thought about this being a problem. But as I was moving out of that role, I started to, we started losing clients because they felt like the gym was changing. Tim's not out there anymore. This isn't mom and pop anymore. And I want to support mom and pop. This feels too big for what I want to be a part of. And it really came down to, to me, it was those, those clients that were resentful in their own lives that they maybe weren't as successful as they wanted to be. And then they see somebody else mm -hmm. doing it and they either they're mad about, I don't know what it was. It happened. And 
as I talked to other gym owners that were doing what I was doing and being successful, they told me the same thing that it's not me, it's them. And, you know, and it, and it, and it really translates to regular life. Think about your friends and the people that you hang around with. And as you become more successful, they either support you or they don't. And it's, and it's not that they don't want to support you, but they look, you know, in it themselves and like, man, I wish I was as successful as that guy was. And, you know, I hate that guy now. And they get mad and like that. And it's very funny. This is the general consensus around America is the wealthy people are evil and they don't just, you know, I deserve what they've got because I'm, I, sh I just deserve it. And that's, that's not how, that's not the mindset I subscribe to. If somebody's more successful than me and more money than me, I always say great for them. I'm very happy for them. I don't want to see anybody uh, not do well. And, but that's, that's the reality of the situation. Crabs in a bucket. You've heard of that, right? As you get up, the crab will pull you back down. And so it gets you to kind of open up your perspective on who am I really hanging out with? Who, who are these people here really supporting me? Or are they just along for the ride and they're really resentful that I'm doing better than them? And if that's the case, it's time to maybe look at your surroundings and who you're hanging out with and maybe make some changes. And, and every time I've done that, I've grown. So when I get into a mastermind group where I'm actually the smartest person in the room, I leave and I go and do another one or create, I created my own, to be honest with you, I created the iron circle for myself. I, I have, you know, a group of gym owners that they, you have to be at a specific level of income or else you can't, you, you don't qualify. And it's not nothing against the people that aren't making a lot of money and doing very good work. It's just, I want to surround myself with the best. And I could, it didn't exist in the fitness space. The iron circle of the, the quality of gym owners that are in that with me uh, doesn't exist. If it did exist, I would have joined that one, but that one doesn't exist. So for the people out there that are looking for that, I've created something because I needed to find it. it just there wasn't anything out there yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to go ahead, um, especially for my, uh, for my own particular viewers who subscribe to the idea of not settling within their own lives, is that being a business owner doesn't mean that we look down upon our clients because perhaps they make less money or because you know they're not in the situation where they're their own boss, so on and so forth. But I think one thing that we can definitely promote amongst you know business people and entrepreneurs and you know gym owners especially is that listen, you have to be completely clear on what it is that you want and what those terms are for your life. And if that means that you want to make second figures, then you should not settle and you should not be jealous or resentful of someone who is doing that. And in fact, what you should do is look at them and be like, hmm. Well, I'm not receiving those results because I'm fucking up, but not because of some sort of God, not just sort of because of some sort of politics, but I'm fucking up, you know, and I need to realize what sacrifice I need to make to get that. Likewise, if you want to make 60 and your goal is just to have six months worth of emergency savings saved up, great. Those are your terms, but you can't be going into a mode of jealousy because that doesn't help anybody. It just hurts you. It just hurts the person you're trying to tear down, so on and so forth. And that being said, man, I mean... Talking to you now, I feel a little bit silly just because I do want to get into some of like the COVID-19 strategies that you got, went ahead and, you know, gone into, but just the fact mm -hmm. that Arizona's coming out of it, I'm fucking sick and tired of talking about COVID, 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 COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I've been talking about too. And it's kind of boring now. Exactly. You know, it's a waiting game. Mm -hmm. The one thing, and we don't have to talk about it at all, but the one thing I would tell you guys is that when you do open, you better be ready to go because if you're sitting at the green light and the, the state opens and all your competitors are going past you and you're sitting there trying to figure out where to get cleaning supplies and what my protocols are going to be and how do I communicate this to the clients, 
you're done. You're done in the water because those clients, you know, we're, there's gyms around me that are not open yet. We're taking clients from them right now because we were ready. We were ready three weeks before we got the green light. Mm. And I'm talking to clients and it's funny. Just last night we had a, had a client, Ellen, and I'll, and I'll name her by name. She's out there right now. She, I met Ellen at a pool at a hotel. It was her birthday and we were just there with friends and we didn't even open up the gym yet. And we were opening in like three months. She signed up at our grand opening 10 years ago. She's still a client today. And she goes, Tim, I got to tell you, I have friends in different states. You guys have done better than anybody in any business I've ever seen come out of this thing so prepared. And I was like, why wouldn't you be prepared? You've had nothing but downtime to figure this out. And if you're not figuring it out right now, that's your own fault. And you're going to get killed when you get open and you're not, you know, when you can't open, you don't open yet. So word to the wise, get your ass get your shit together and get ready now as if you can open tomorrow. And that, and that goes for written protocol, communication to your clients, what your cleaning procedures are going to be getting the cleaning supplies because that's hard to find right now too. Uh, when I found something that was available, I bought it like on Amazon, I'm searching every night. I'm looking for hand sanitizer and cleaners and spraying systems. And there was stuff that was six weeks back order. I ordered it the day we closed. And by the time we were open, it was already there. And I had a full, I took, put a picture out and I put all my cleaning supplies. I said, this is the starting defense going into the opening, right? And I'm, you know, playing on words with football and everything. This is my defensive lineup for the COVID right here. And I got a flood of comments. Where'd you get this stuff? Where'd you get this stuff? And so I, you know, I linked things that I had found, but people weren't even thinking about it. And I just don't understand what you guys are doing right now. What are you doing if you're not figuring this out? So be ready. And so I think, especially as business leaders, like you can't necessarily rest on your laurels and you need to be proactive as of yesterday, as of two months ago. And I guess what I want to go ahead and ask you now is that, listen, I don't necessarily want to talk about COVID. Let's forget about COVID. We're all reopening. We're moving past that, right? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, with however much, you know, comfortable you are sharing with the details or the lack of details, what is your overarching strategy that you would promote to others? Or what are your three top strategies that you would tell others to go ahead and implement today? so they can reopen and look forward to a future full of prosperity, essentially. Uh, yeah, the, the, the markets change, right? The market, your, your clients have changed. The, they're, for, they're scared. Some are scared. Some don't give a shit. Some came in and like, cool. Like, I don't even know why we closed in the first place. It's not even bad. So you got to remember that if you had 100% of your clients, a third of them are fine. They're going to come right in. The other bottom third are scared out of their mind. They're never going to leave their house again. And the ones in the middle are waiting for you to tell them if they're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. So strategy number one is have the communication with your current clients as best you can to tell them everything you're doing to get ready. The more comfortable you make them feel, the more likely they're going to come back when you can't open. And then their billing turns back on if you froze them or if they froze or whatever it was. That would be number one. Number two is get your marketing strategies ready. Um, We're running ads. We started running ads the day we were allowed, actually the day before we were allowed to open, we started running ads. They were not doing as great as I like them to do. However, the messaging of what you're telling people is safety, is they want to, you want to build trust in the community that you're a safe place to go. Do I think this will blow over in 30 days? Absolutely. 30 days after you're open, I guarantee people are not going to give a shit. I just don't think they are. I think they're over it. I think they're over it now. So I think everybody, especially in, uh, it sounds like you're in New Jersey. Are you in New Jersey? Mm-hmm. New Jersey. Democratic Jersey. States, you yeah. kind of, you're kind of being sick and tired of being lied to. I think I, at least I am. 
none of this is for safety. If this was for health, if this were for the health of the population, gyms would be open if that was the case. So tired of being lied to, I think they're going to just kind of be like, okay, cool. We can get back to normal. I hate the word new normal. That doesn't, that pisses me off because no, you're not being conditioned for, you are being conditioned for a new normal, but you don't have to accept it. You don't have to accept the fact that you're supposed to wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. And that's what we told our clients. They asked us, hey, are, do, are we required to wear masks? I say, if you feel comfortable not wearing a mask, don't wear one. If you, if you don't want to wear, if you want to wear one, wear one. And maybe five clients are wearing a mask. And I bet you in 30 days, those masks are off. I just think that's, it, it, we're sick of it. So I think number two is the, the, the messaging to the marketplace. And then number three, look at your business model as it sits today. Do you really think people want to get back into a large group training atmosphere, sweaty as hell, rubbing elbows with everybody with 25 people in a room that doesn't have any air conditioning? I don't think so. We made a massive change to our business model where we do, we do large group training and we do small group training. We don't do, well, actually we do one-on-one -on -one now, but we didn't before. And so what we decided to do about a month into the thing uh, we rearranged the entire gym. We got rid of equipment. We opened up space. We put things in corners that needed to get, and we got rid of things that we weren't going to use anymore. And we, when you walk into this gym, uh, it looks super wide open and space equals safety. We can spread people apart and everybody feels good. And so look at your model. Is team training going to carry you over the test of time? I would tell you is team training has been dying for a long time and it's hard to compete at a lower price level. Uh, it's easier to sell, but it's not uh, going to carry us through. So for us in my business model, we were about 10% large group and 90% small group. And small group training for us is six, now it's six clients. It was five. We moved it to six because six, we feel like we can still keep people apart. Six clients to one coach. Everybody has their own programming and it's a high price point. It's anywhere. Our cheapest is 350 it's 365 now and and it goes up to 499. Those are the clients that are going to pay the bills over the long term. And we know this because we've run data and it says exactly this. The clients that paid 179 or less uh stay about 9.8 months at this gym. Mm -hmm. The clients that paid 350 or more stay 36 months on average. And mm -hmm. so I got to just be honest, everything's telling me to get rid of team training. And the fact that the COVID situations here and all that stuff with large groups and getting hot, sweaty bodies, bodies sharing equipment, it just everything continues to tell me to get rid of team training. So what we did coming out of this is we wiped off half of the half of the schedule off the you know no no more team training on like all these different days, and we got a little heat. But you know what? To be honest with you, even if we lose every single team training client, we still have ninety percent of our revenue. So for us, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. You mentioned as well, your opinion on the safety measures or the quote unquote safety measures weren't necessarily for safety and perhaps they would have been more for like restriction of freedom, right? Now, I, I think that there is, there was some concern for public health, but the only thing that really confuses me is that, for example, today, I just saw an article with uh, Dr. Fauci and mm -hmm. he basically released a statement saying that if we continue any more longer with this lockdown, with this quarantine, it's going to create irreparable damage to the economy. But this is two months into it. And then the other day, they were releasing something, I believe it was on the, uh, on the news, where they were saying that at first, at the onset of this virus, it spread very easily on surfaces. That's why you should go out with gloves. And then literally a couple of days ago on CBS in the morning, you have a doctor saying that 
there's no need for gloves that it, they found that it's not really contagious at all and doesn't spread easily so i guess the only place that i would disagree is that yes i think there was some push for public health in creating these measures but i think that maybe and what i want to ask you is this what do you think were the failings federally and statewide when it came to the lockdown when it came to the virus do you think that it was just entirely something that was uh, restricted for our freedom do you think that there was some sort of public health uh, push there what do you think in your opinion was uh is on that it's a good question uh i think in the beginning and to be honest with you everybody that's that's going through this is their first time and they were just trying to figure it out and i got to give credit to everybody just trying to figure out and if they made a decision and it was wrong it's not their fault in the beginning in the beginning it wasn't their fault because they didn't know like we know way more now than we did in the beginning. And so a lockdown made a lot of sense to keep everybody away from each other and all this stuff. So I agree with it. It just kind of something that had to happen. We're at a point right now that it's very cut and dry. The Republican states are open and the Democratic states aren't. Is it because it spreads more easily in Democratic states and not so much in Republican states? I think not. I think it comes down to politics 100% in the mindset is shifted to the election to vaccines to who's going to make if you follow the money there's your answers every it always lands with where the who's making the money and what what is their way they're going to make the most money and if you look at that everything makes sense so fauci is involved in all the vaccines it makes a lot of sense for him to keep everybody scared as hell so when the vaccine comes out everybody rushes out and buys and gets it and it makes a lot of money the fear mongering and the pushing out of all the thing, you know, like in the democratic states, we want you locked down. So you have to rely on us as the government and d democracy or democratic in socialism is big government where Republican and um, conservative is, is less very limited government. So it's, it, again, it's completely clear to me what's happening. And if you don't see it, maybe this is a, maybe wake up a little bit to see what's happening here is, the democratic states want you to rely on the government. So when they bail you out, they buy your vote and you vote for them. Oh man, you say, you know, they don't, nobody's going to think about all the, the lockdowns and stuff when it comes to election, when they get big checks to get out of this and they got paid and everything's fine. Thank you government. And now they're buying, they're buying votes. And so the Fauci thing makes a lot of sense with vaccines. The democratic thing makes a lot of sense with, with big government. Meanwhile, the Republican states are open. Shit's going down. Georgia rates are going down. Everything's, everything's fine. Like, what's the problem? Open up your states. So that's my, that's my two cents. I don't know if I lost half of the listeners, you know, because, you know, 50% are Republican, 50% are Democrat. That's just how I see it. And I don't know how you feel about it, but that's how I see it. No, it's totally fine. You know, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, somebody might have been lost there or somebody might have been earned there. But at the end of the day, like we should be having a conversation about this, you know, and like for us to continue to stay in lockdown for another month, for another two months, that's not a viable solution, you know, and at least thankfully, you know, we're starting to open up whether or not our decisions were made entirely on data, whether or not they were made, especially, you know, because of the money, whether or not they were especially made. And I'm sure, you know, all these different factors come together. But the fact of the matter is that we can remain, you know, debating these things as far as, you know, COVID, COVID, COVID. But now I want to transition us into something greener pastures, I guess you could say, which is I completely 100% agree with you with this term, the new normal. It's, it's mm -hmm. detestable because I don't think that, and I think you were speaking with Dr. Bernardi about this as well, too, that 
there isn't really going to be a new normal like business and say, especially the gym industry isn't going to fundamentally change maybe for the next month, depending on the state, because there's some restrictions, you know, social distancing. But let me ask you, Tim, is there actually going to be a new normal? Is the gym industry forever transformed or was this just an anomalous situation, a little bump in the road that we just had to get through and grow through? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yes, I did speak about this specific thing with Dr. John Berardi, and it was in his opinion that we weren't inconvenienced enough to that we're going to accept everything. I'm under the subscription plan of people have been forced to understand now their health is very important, and they're going to come rushing back into the gyms once they do open. And we are open, and we are seeing that. We're seeing better numbers of leads consultations, new clients than we were in January and February. Hmm. That to me tells me that people are more conscious about their health. In the first two weeks of the lockdown, I never saw so many people out on the hiking trails. There's a big mountain right behind the gym here and people are out on mountain bikes. The families are out, they're jogging together. They're outside enjoying the weather. It didn't seem like a lockdown. It seemed like, you know, people were wanting to be healthy. And so as soon as I saw that happening, I knew that people are waking up to their health and fitness is important again. And if you listen to the doctors talking about the death rate and the people that are dying the most, they have underlying conditions. A lot of them, their BMIs are in the 36, 38, 40. Heavy people are dying. People don't want to die. So I don't want to be heavy. So let me go work out. And that's happening. And I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to the fitness industry is that everybody's now aware. We talk about this awareness triangle, okay? And I may have spoke about it at the event uh, with uh, Jason, Jason's event, where I talked about the awareness triangle, and there's four levels. And the people at the very, very top, it's the smallest piece of the population, know that fitness is important, know who you are as a business, and know that you are the solution for them to get the result. The people on the very bottom, which is the giant part of the population, have no idea they have a problem. And the awareness of all the, the publicity around health and BMI and death rates and stuff have taken that, that big bottom quadrant of people and brought them up to be more aware of fitness as a uh, benefit to them to get to live longer. And so I think it's been the best thing to happen is that people are listening now and they're like, shit, I can't walk around 200 pounds overweight anymore. I need to get my ass in the gym and, or 40 pounds overweight. And so people are working out more and we are open and it's happening. And this is not hypothetical. This is actual and it's happening right now. So great. I think it's a great thing as far as the normal of mass and six feet apart and all that. I think it's going to die in two months. I swear to God, I just don't think it's going to last. People don't want it. It was funny when we, we had our clients bringing back equipment. So we let everybody take our equipment out and work out at home. And we were giving them programming. We're doing Zooms and stuff. As soon as we closed, we, we leased out everything. We just gave it away. We didn't even charge for it. It's like, hey, if you're going to be on membership with us and you're paying your membership, take a rower, take a barbell, take some kettlebells and just take it home and we'll program around it. And let's just get, let's get through this together. When people brought it back, we had a call for equipment. We were thinking... They're going to come in, drop it off at the front and, you know, like back away and everybody's going to keep their distance. People are hugging each other. They're high-fiving. They're just, they couldn't wait to get back and have communication and contact with people. The six foot thing isn't, it's not going to last. I just don't think it will. Personal opinion. 
and I'm seeing it. So I, I mean, at least I have some data and I can tell you there's people out here don't give a shit. They don't care. They just want to be back to, they want to get back to the, the old normal, if you want to call it that, the normal normal. Mm-hmm. I think good that's, news. that's mainly because you're a business owner in the trenches. And I think sometimes the word entrepreneur gets watered down with all these, you know, online gurus who are scaring, you know, uh, gym owners who by saying like, listen, you got to go online now. You know, the gym business model, it no longer works. Micro gyms, they're dead. You know, they got a, a stake in their heart and you have to move online. But, you know, as you said, like in one of your other podcasts, like some of these businesses have gone under by taking that ill advice. And I think that what really struck me was that the new normal is not necessarily going to be social distancing and more face masks. The new normal is that that bottom level of the triangle has all of a sudden just elevated yes. because now people are highly and acutely aware of fuck, I need to go, go for a hike. Fuck, I need to go for a run. People who have never run, how many people I saw, I, we, I guess we can both say it, but me personally, yeah. who were very overweight and you see them just walking, jogging, getting a sweat on because they're coming to that realization. Exactly. I love it. I love seeing it, man. To be honest with you, this is the best feeling ever. We don't have to like drill it into their heads and try to tell them that it's important. They know it now. They've heard it enough on the media. So it's great. I think it's great news for gym owners. I think this will be the best time, the best surge of, of, of new clients for training gyms that they've ever seen. And it's just because of the awareness, like you said, and the people that are out there marketing to gym owners to go online, I know it's ha- I mean, I, I got deep in the weeds on a podcast with about this one on the built to grow podcast, but I made a post about it. I can't stand it. I'm pissed. I'm mad about it because it's a lie and it's a scare tactic that it's going to try to scare these gym owners into switching their entire business model, throw away everything that they ever built and go online and trust the guy that's telling you because he wants your money. It's just bullshit to me. And it pissed me off enough to where I started naming names. I got back. Like I'm, I'm not one to like throw somebody under the bus, but I'm just wanting to, I want gym owners because uh, our, our motto is we want to help gym owners win. That's our thing. I want them to be aware. I want them to be careful because you will lose your money real quick going online because it's a different client than what you had before. The clients that you have in your gym, they want to train in your gym with you training them. That's what they signed up for. They didn't sign up to be coached online. They're online because they're forced to go online. Well, as soon as that online, you know, as soon as you can open, they're coming back. I'm telling you. We have like two, 2% of our people are staying online. Okay. Okay. So then given the fact that obviously, you know, some people are remaining online, but it's a very small minority, you know, is there any sort of value in a gym owner starting to create a second stream of revenue by now going into the online fitness space? Or would your opinion be to tell them, Hey, listen, focus on one thing. You can't catch two rabbits. If you're chasing double down on just the gym or go online, what would your advice be? Great question. I would tell people that to keep the online arm of their business there when you need it. I wouldn't focus too much on it, but the clients that don't want to come back in or in our circumstance in Arizona, when it gets 115 degrees, we have 30% of our gym leaves town and goes to like the Ozarks or Northern, uh, Northern Arizona or South Southern California or Mexico or wherever they have their second, third and fourth homes at. We have people already that left that normally would freeze their memberships until October, September, October. They're staying with us online because they've been used to it and we're keeping that. I mean, that's a no brainer for us because now we don't lose anybody. And anybody that moves out of state that built the relationship, you would typically lose them in the past. Keep the online 
thing going to service the clientele that you have and focus on your gym, but have that as, as another piece to save revenue. And then you could grow it. Like if you feel stable over here, start to grow it. But yes, you can't focus on both. I think you keep it for when you need it and have it kind of built into your systems, but really build your gym back up. And then when you can, when you have that figured out, go back and start building up the online. That's what I would say. So then let's say, you know, another 20, 30, 50 years down the road for uh, those of us who are a lot more minded on say potentially one day franchising or say, you know, having that standalone gym really, you know, running for decades into the future. How can a gym business owner hedge against the potential risk of another pandemic of a terrorist attack against a natural disaster? Because once this happens again, are we going to continue to run around like chickens with our head cut off? Or are we going to have some sort of way where let's say we have that online revenue, which can then, you know, hedge against that? What would you say about that? Well, I don't think, I don't think we're going to get caught off guard again. I think that was this situation we're in, we were all stunned. I mean, there's very few people that had it figured out before it happened. I mean, I don't think anybody, maybe somebody that was doing online already, kind of. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again, but on paper, online training makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You got, you know, you could do it out of your house. You can build a little studio that you don't need the giant overhead of 8,000, 10,000, 12,000 square feet weighing heavy on you every single day if you go online. It makes a lot of sense. But think about the competition online. Think about the Pelotons, the $12 a month. Think about all these other bigger brands that were forced to go online and they've kind of got things figured out well into the future, way better than you could. I'm just saying there's, they have better apps, they have better technology, their websites, their cameras, everything's better than what you can do as a small gym owner. The relationships that you had before the COVID situation carried you through the online training. So that's the first thing I would say. I made this mention a bunch of times in the past. The first week that we were shut down, I was out here with my dad, was picking up a bench because he wanted one for his house. So I was just letting him borrow it. And I'm watching my coach, Mike, train 25 little heads on the screen. I was like, man, isn't this cool? You don't even need a big gym. I mean, look at this. Look at but I was being sarcastic because what I was really saying is those people don't just show up overnight. It's going to take you years to build up that clientele. Um, and to go head to head against the Pelotons of the world that are doing this as their only thing they do, you're, you're up against a giant and not that you can't do it, but you're not going to be able to, I just don't think you can compete. So have it as something in the background to service your clients that you have, the ones that would have normally moved out of state and canceled with you, you can keep them. And yeah, you can get their friends and their companies and people jumping on that, but I don't see that is, I don't see that as a successful business personally. I, I mean, can it be done? Sure. But I don't think, I just don't, it's a different clientele than you're used to. If you're a gym owner, you've been in the gym owner business for anything over three to five, six, seven years, you're going to realize really quick that the clients that train online are different than people that train in person. And I don't think the COVID situation has changed that mentality of those current clients because obviously they're all back in here so if they if they were changed they would have stayed online and we only have like two percent so that's what i would that was my two cents on that how about let's say the gym owner who says that he's seen these uh these ads and these uh instagram quote-unquote like influencers and their their workout plans and nutrition plans their monthly coaching services so on and so forth and he sees yeah. that 
and he's thinking, wow, okay, maybe that's a potential business in of its own. What would you tell him whether or not that's a potential avenue for him to create another side business married to his gym business? Or would you just say that's just a whole bunch of puff that he shouldn't chase after? You could, you could do it. Like I said, you could have a little side business while your gym is going and, and yeah, diversify. I think that's a good idea. I would also tell anybody that's looking at and looking up to these people, half of what you see or probably even more is lies as far as the income they're making, how awesome they are. It's all a smoke show. Like it's like smoke and mirrors guys. And if you haven't figured that out by now, I mean, you can look at the before and after pictures that are done in the fitness space. They're done on the same day with a shave and a tan and angles and lighting. You know, it's fake, but you think it's real. It's the same thing going on where people are pushing marketing to you. Oh, so-and-so picked up 35 clients. He's making a hundred thousand dollars a year, um, a month now. And he was making zero three months ago. It's, it's exaggerated. I'm going to be super clear. It's not real. So is there the one person that does it? Yeah, but that's not the majority. And so let's, let's talk about realistic and being a realist. Um, I'm not talking down about doing online training. If you want to do it, do it. Like I don't, doesn't bother me, but I'm just trying to tell you to be cautious. What you're focusing on and telling gym owners is that what's going to carry you through crises, what's going to carry you through any sort of economic troubles is going to be your relationships. At the end of the day, having that human blood and flesh who you call, who you text, who you email, yes. who you interact with, because say times get tough, but if you have deposited enough socially into that bank account, then Listen, you form the relationship that's going to pay dividends for however long if you truly do service and care and, for lack of better words, give a fuck about the people who are paying money. And so I think, man, given that, my just final question would be to you is, Tim, where can gym owners and other fitness professionals, where can they find you and how can you help them both change their, their lives and their businesses? Yeah, if you're looking for, I guess... I'm not, a, I'm not the best fit for anybody. I'll tell you, I mean, nobody is the best fit for anybody, but the, the people that are kind of at a level where they want more, they've got a decent gym, they've got a decent business, but they just think that, you know what, I'm not tapping it enough. Or I'm not, I need to optimize things. You can find me, Tim Lyons Jr. is my, my Instagram handle. Uh, you can go to profit, uh, pfmarketingsolutions.com. That's what the website, you can go to timlinesjr.com. That's actually probably easier. I'm going to be able to help people. You know, we talk about the cash flow quadrant. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the four quadrants of every kind of person in America. You're either, uh, you're either an employee, which is on the top left corner. That means you go to work, you get a paycheck, you work for somebody else. That's, that's quadrant one. Quadrant two is in the bottom left-hand corner. That's self-employed. Self-employed people might own a business, but they're required to be involved in the day-to-day -day operations for it to generate revenue and a profit. That's the majority of the gym owners out there. If they remove themselves from their business, it wouldn't operate the same. We work with those folks to get them into the third quadrant, which is business owner. Business owners are, they own the business and the business is run on systems and they don't need to be involved. If they want to be involved, they can, but they're not required to be involved. Mm. That's what I really enjoy. And it's, it's boring. It's tedious stuff, but and it's not like, Hey, we're going to get you 500 leads next month. It's not that kind of shit. It's mm -hmm. who are, who are the, who's my team? What are their job descriptions? What are, what are my marketing systems, my sales systems, my integrate, like all the things that we do is systems. That's where I, I 
do the best work is I'm taking that guy that's a self-employed gym owner and taking them up into the top right quadrant, which is business owner. And the business is run on systems. They don't need to be involved. That's the quadrant I push people into. And then the fourth quadrant, since there's always that other one, it's the investor. You've got your business figured out, you're making money, and now you're investing that money into other things. Maybe it's another business. Maybe it's in real estate. That's what I'm doing. I'm buying land. I'm building shopping centers, and I'm doing that kind of stuff now. So I'm taking the money I've made, and I'm investing it. So then at the end of the day, I have a business that runs on systems that doesn't need me involved. I've got real estate that's it's generating uh, rental income, and I've got the appreciation on the building. And I can do whatever I want with my time. And a lot of young gym owners don't see that far into the future, but I would really recommend you start thinking about that is like, where do I want, I'm doing this every day and I'm working my ass off 60 hours a week and you know, it's great and everything, but what there's, there's gotta be more. And that's what I help people do. So. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for all that value, man. I mean, as cliche as that always sounds, cause you know, everybody says that shit, but Listen, Tim, I think that was a very short and sweet podcast, but it wasn't filled with a bunch of fluff. I think it was filled with loads and loads of value for everybody who's uh, watching and listening, especially the fitness professional, the gym professional. I would raise my glass to you in the podcast, but thankfully I didn't get to drink because, you know, we decided yeah. not to do that. <laughs> but listen, man, I guess I'll be seeing you. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Hopefully I could bring some value and hopefully I give people some hope out there that, that it isn't all doom and gloom. There's some good stuff happening. Once you get a chance to open it's going to be great. So just hold on as long as you can. You got it, man. All right, guys, we're going to be signing off and take care. Yo, that was the end of the show. Hope you got lots of value and a big thank you for tuning in. And also a big thank you for giving me your precious time. Please subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to share the show with a brother who needs to hear this message. And if you're in northern slash central New Jersey and want to sign up for the Haven Warrior Challenge, text me at 908-997-0620. Finally, follow me on Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash B-I-S-M-A-R-K-M-O-N-T-I-E-L. Bismarck Montiel. God bless you and power to you, my man.